Just want to say a special welcome. If you are here for the first time, just uh, I hope you're enjoying the morning. Um, if you don't like me, come back next week because it's Steve. <laughs> um, so you'll get a proper, proper example of what this church is about. But just really delighted, especially if you're here and you've got questions about faith. You're not sure about faith and God and life and all that sort of stuff. And you're not yet committed or convinced that God loves you and that you've decided to follow Jesus. If you are here and you're in that place, we're just privileged that you choose to come and be amongst us this morning. Uh, I want to take some time to look at this this whole adventurous faith, this idea that we are called to live a life of adventurous faith. When you think about stories and you think about what happened many years ago when Stephen Tammy moved, that was the beginning of an adventure. It was an adventure to say, do you know what, we're going to leave our friends and the people that we know and pitch up in a community we know a little bit of, but we're not quite sure because we think as we close our eyes and we think and imagine and we pray, we think there's this church that God wants to bring into being that's going to make a difference in our city. Wow. That's a story of faith. And it's a story of ordinary people like these guys just saying yes to God. And that's what an adventurous faith is all about. It's about saying yes to God so that we live the lives that we're called to do. Do you know, adventurous faith really is trusting God. And it's actually getting to know God in all of life. It's becoming who I'm meant to be and doing what I'm meant to do. It's getting to know God. It's becoming who I'm meant to be and doing what I'm meant to do. And trusting God is something that we can do this side of heaven. We can't do it when we get to heaven. It's only something we can do here on earth. There are certain things you can do here right now. And faith, this adventurous faith of saying yes to God and trusting him, it's for here, it's for earth, it's for now. It's for us, it's for every one of us. And Bear Grylls, you might have seen some of the posters advertising Alpha, Bear Grylls, he puts faith this way when describing what he thinks about a life of faith. Have a glance at the screens. What does it take to live a life of adventure? The truth is, the first step is always the hardest. That's the one that takes the most courage. But I've learned not to run from that fear and just do it. My Christian faith can be a little up and down, like any relationship. It has struggles and it has doubts. But it's so often brought light to a dark path warmth to a cold mountain and strength to a failing body. I remember crawling onto the summit of Everest and clearing the snow from my mask to see the curvature of the earth at the edges. But finding a simple faith that empowers my life, to me, that's been my greatest adventure. That's how Bear Grylls puts it. That's his greatest adventure, this life of faith. Well, I want to take some time to look at a, a quick story in the Old Testament. So if you've got your Bibles with you, can you turn in the Old Testament to Genesis chapter 15, 16, 17? If you haven't got a Bible, we're going to read it out. Um, so don't worry, you're not going to miss out. We can actually read that bit of the story. But just to think about these stories that we come across in the Bible. Sometimes you read a story and you think, that's a bit quirky. What's going on there? Well, stories are helping us get a picture about how God interacts with people like you and me. When we read a story, you want to try and put yourself into it and say, what does this story show me about God? and how God actually deals with people. That's one of the things we want to look at. There are five little principles about an adventurous faith that we see from the story of Abraham and Sarah. And it says this in the Bible, that every part of Scripture is God-breathed and it's useful one way or another. So when you get a Bible, whether it's on your phone or on your app or something, it's all there. And it's for showing us the truth, exposing our rebellion, 
correcting our mistakes and training us to live God's way. Through the word, we're put together and shaped up for the task that God has given us. And that's why we connect with God's story. So Rosie's just going to read briefly the little bits that we're going to look at. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. And then we're going to look at six, chapter 16, verse 15. So. So it says this, Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarah said. And then later on at the end of the chapter, it says this, So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had borne. Abram was 86 years old. When Hagar bore him Ishmael. Chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. That's great. Thanks, Rosie. So the story here is one of these incredible stories about God interacting with a couple. And they're a sweet old couple. I love this little picture on the screen of a sweet old couple. Uh, Click on for us. (laughs) They're just cute and affectionate. It's like your grandparents just kind of cuddling away. Well, Abraham and Sarah are old folks. And God comes to them and says, I've got a promise. I want to be involved in your life. And the promise is that you... I know you're a bit old, but you're going to have kids. You're going to have a family. In fact, get outside for me or step outside and look up at the sky. And then Abraham goes outside and looks up. See all the stars? Uh, you're going to have a family that's, and descendants that are as numerous as the stars. In fact, as many as the sand on the seashore. Wow, that blows his mind. But he's thinking, I'm an old fella. How's this going to happen? Well, anyway, they have this promise, Abraham and Sarah. But time ticks on. And as time ticks on, nothing happens. They're not having... You know, and he changes there. There's no pregnancy. There's no baby. And actually, Sarah says, do you know what? I, I, I know that this promise is for us, but it's not happening with me. Because it's so important that we get this family line started, here's my servant. It's recorded but not endorsed in the Bible. <laughs> here's my servant. Why don't you sleep with my servant? And actually, then the family line can start. And so, so they say, listen, here's my servant, uh, Hagar. And then Abraham sleeps with Hagar, and they have this little baby called Ishmael. But this is probably after the initial promise, a 10-year gap at least. And so when Ishmael is born... Um, We've got Abraham at 86 and, and um, Sarah at 76. And then another 13 years later, so now this little kid Ishmael is now a teenager, God comes again to Abraham and says, listen, I want to talk to you about this. I've got a promise for you. When Abraham was 99 years old, so this is like 20 years after the original promise and 13 years after the initial babies come along, Ishmael, Abraham's 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to him and says, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. And then he goes on to say, I've got a promise for you, you're going to have a son. It's like, oh my goodness. Well, I want to look at some of the lessons that we see about faith that are in this passage. There are five little things you'll see on the screen there. Five things that we learn about the life of faith. If we want to say yes to God, and we want to live an adventurous faith, here are some things that we learn from this story. First thing, we shouldn't limit God by our impatience. Faith shouldn't limit God by our past experience of him, by our circumstance, our failure, or our passivity. Don't limit God by your impatience. Do you know, I I don't like waiting for anything. Anybody got a phone? You you sort of try and find a web page, and it's taking a millisecond to load. You're getting frustrated. (laughs) And have you been in a lift recently? You know, when you go in those lifts, do you know those little buttons that you see in the lift? Click on, guys. Next picture. When you go in the button and you press that lift... That, that, that button lift. Do you know that button, that closed door lift? It's actually not connected to anything. There's no wiring behind it at all. 
Did you know that? It's just there for your impatience. <laughs> it's like in 90% of lifts in the UK, that button is not fixed up or wired to anything. It's just there so you feel better that when you're in the lift, I'm doing something and this blinking door is going to shut in a minute. It's just, it's just there purely as a placebo so that when you're impatient, you can press it. Isn't that interesting? And that, you're thinking, fascinating fact for the day. Take that home with you. <laughs> but you know, we don't like waiting. We don't like waiting for anything. We don't like waiting for our coffee. We don't like waiting for anything. And, just, and actually, sometimes the life of faith is trusting God when things aren't panning out quite as you want them to. Isn't it? Things aren't panning out quite as I want to. I've prayed and it hasn't happened yet. But the life of faith, an adventurous faith, is saying, God, even in that time when it's not quite happening, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my confidence that you're still there. You love me. You're for me. I'm going to trust you in this waiting time. What happens in the waiting? What's the, what's the lesson that's going on? Well, for Abraham and Sarah, every single year that Abraham and Sarah got a little bit older, their capacity to deliver the promise of God was diminishing. Are you getting my point? <laughs> As they're getting older into their 90s and they're getting older and older, their ability to make this thing happen was just getting less and less and less. They were not bringing a lot to the party. <laughs> and God was saying, actually, will you trust me in the waiting? When you feel like, I can't deliver the goods here, I can't make this thing happen. Sometimes faith is trusting God when we realize our ability to make this thing happen is less and less and less. And that's what we see in this story. You know, we want, we want like a microwave Messiah. Just bing, it's all sorted, it's all happening. Someone says that we measure things with a stopwatch, but God measures things with a calendar. We measure things by second, but he measures things in seasons. It's how it works. So that's what we see. And this story is interesting because it's the first time when God reveals himself in the Bible, in human history, as God Almighty. It says this. It says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. The word in Hebrew is El Shaddai, God Almighty. We see in different stories in the Bible, God reveals his character in different ways. And so here, Abraham and Sarah, they're getting older and older. Their chance of having a kid is getting less and less and less. And God says, I am God Almighty. I do stuff. Even when you think your ability to make stuff happen is getting less and less and less, I do stuff. Do you know, sometimes God wants to reveal himself in our story. He wants us to know something of his name, something of his character. This name, God Almighty, was the first time that it had ever been used by God to describe himself, when they felt not very mighty, (laughs) not very powerful. You're not going to find God as your provider until you're facing some lack in life. You might not know God as your comforter until you're in a place of grief. You might not know God as your peace until you're totally stressed out. But when you are stressed out, you might encounter him as your peace. You might not appreciate God as your shield until you're taking a pounding. But sometimes in our story, God wants to reveal himself to us and we get a glimpse of his character, who he is. So we get a better understanding of his nature. Maybe you're needing guidance. God wants to be your guide in the middle of your situation. You know, we can limit God with our impatience. And we can also limit God with our past experience of God. Maybe you've had this story so far and you think, you know what, this is what I know of God. God's done this in my life or he's never answered a prayer, whatever it is. And we can box God in. It's very easy to box God into what I know of him already or what I've experienced or what I've thought. But actually this story expands that. Because for Abraham and Sarah, they had a story of God where God had said, here's a promise. It wasn't happening. Abraham took it into his own hands, slept with Hagar, had this kid. And then God suddenly expands his horizon. I love it, what happens in this story. 
God comes to him and says, uh, this is my covenant with you. You're going to be the father of many nations. So he's taken the whole situation into his own hands, slept with Hagar, had a baby. But that wasn't what God really had in mind. And God comes and says, you're going to be the father of many nations. There's in Genesis 17, verses 3. No longer will you be called Abraham, but you'll be named Abraham. Name change. For I've made you a father of many nations. I'll make you fruitful, and I'll make my covenant with you. So when the name change happens, Abraham meant, the, meant this word exalted father. That's why his first name went. Abraham meant exalted dad. But then Abraham meant father of many nations. Do you know, when God gives somebody a new name, what he's doing is he's giving them a new identity, a new destiny, an expanded horizon. I don't know what name you function under, what labels you feel like are on your life. But when Jesus comes into our lives, he gives us a new name. He gives us a new identity, an expanded horizon. That's what he does. That's what God does when we say yes to this life of faith. He comes into our lives and gives us new labels, new names, new things that define us, and new things that give us an expanded horizon. You know, we can limit God by saying, do you know what? God's done this in the past. I know a little bit about him, and that's what he'll do in the future. But for Abraham, he thought his name was Abraham, a father of maybe a family. And God says, no, I'm going to upgrade that. You're going to be the father of many nations. Wow. And that's after he's blown it. You know, we can say to God, well, this is what you've dealt with me in the past. I've never prayed for somebody and seen them healed. I've never led somebody to faith. I've never got involved in helping others in our city. And so we limit God and say, well, that's going to be my future. God says, no, expand your horizons. I've got more for you in the future. Take some risks. There's an adventure of faith. Let me talk to you about stories. When you hear a story or an experience that someone else shares, you've got a choice in that moment. I love, don't you love those stories when you hear about you know, answered prayers and things that are happening? I mean, I love just hearing, you know, hearing Stephen Tammy's story again, that we kicked him out. It was nicer than that, but we... <laughs> You've got to get the rebellious ones. You've got to do something with them, haven't you? <laughs> but we, we commission them, and, and then you realise, wow. And you might be thinking, I could, never, I could never do that. I could never leave you know, a, a community that I feel at home in and go and start a church from scratch. We, we felt these guys had it in them, and we felt that they were going to be on this adventure, and they were young, but the Lord was with them. And, and actually, you know, it's not been easy on the way, but God's done something. Every one of us here, there's a story, there's an adventure that God has for us. It starts with a yes from our hearts to him. That's where the adventure starts. But you know, you have a choice when you hear a story. You either think, oh, bully for them. God's got favorites. He likes them. He doesn't like me. <laughs> Does anybody ever think that? <laughs> Does, I, honestly, I mean, I sometimes hear these stories of provision. and I mean, look, with the way these guys got this building, we've got a building about the same size. And it cost us you know, the same price like 15 years ago. <laughs> Thank you very much, Lord. You must have some favourites. <laughs> and I can either go into little self-pity mode. Why does God love them so much that he answers their prayers and he doesn't do it for me? Anybody ever find this? Is this just me? Or is this... So, so when you have an experience and you hear of someone else's breakthrough, maybe, you've, maybe you're suffering right now with addiction or anger is messing with your family because it's just uncontrolled and it's damaging. And you hear someone who's experienced breakthrough. Maybe they've dealt with something. They've got over an eating disorder. They've got through a life-controlling habit. They've got free from that anger that was contaminating them. They've got generous. They've learned to see God do something in their life. They've had a prayer answered. We have a choice when we hear a story. So either think, God's got favorites and I'm not one of them. Or we can upgrade our thinking and we can say, do you know what? That story reveals something about how you do business, God. 
It reveals something of your character and something of your nature. And I'm going to choose to believe that that's who you are. And although it's not been my experience right now, as I hear that story, that describes faith and it describes something of your character. And I'm going to believe that that's what you want to do in my life. I'm going to step into that story and say, God, I'm going to upgrade my thinking. I'm not going to live in self-pity and think, oh, you're nicer to them and you don't like me and I'm a little worm. You know, I'm not going to think like that. I'm going to think the truth that this reveals something about who you are. So we're not to limit God by our own experiences. We're to be inspired by the stories of others. I had a story recently about a friend who's a pastor of a church. He wanted to employ um, a, a youth and community worker to do kids' work and youth work in the community, and they need another £30,000, a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money wherever you are, £30,000 a year. And he felt that it was a God thing, and they said, look, we want to do this to bless our own community, but also serve the city that we're part of. And uh, he went to the church, just feeling in his heart, this is what I'm hoping for and believing for, but I don't know how we're going to do it. I, I haven't got the capacity to deliver on this one. Okay, the church is already maxed out. Went to the church on that Sunday. This lady came up to me after the service and says, listen, just want to let you know, uh, I've got that covered. Uh, Let me tell you the story. 17 years ago, I was praying, and as I was praying one day, I felt God say to me, from your income, which wasn't huge, she was just on a modest income, from your income, I want you to start saving a little bit every month, whack it in a bank account, keep it there every month, just save a little bit, because at some point in the future, I'm going to call on that to bless kids and youth. Wow, 17 years later, she's sitting in this church. This bloke rocks up and says, I don't know where it's going to come from, but I just think something about kids and youth in our community. We've got to make a difference. And I don't quite know how, but we need £30,000. She hadn't looked at the balance for years. She checked it out, £30,000 on the nose. Whoa, I love that. I just love that kind of story. Now, that is personally outside of my experience. And I either go, God loves Jason, I'm a miserable worm. I either, or I say, that describes to me something of a life of faith. That describes how God can do stuff. And so I want to be on both sides of the story. I'd love to be in the place that I'm the receiving end of chunks of money to make a difference. But I'd also like to be on the end of the story that says, do you know what? My income is not mine, actually. It's God's goodness to me. And as I'm praying, if God says to me, put 20 quid a month aside, and I'm going to call on it at some point in the future, that's as much an adventurous faith story as stepping out and saying, we need 30 grand to make a difference. Do you get that? It's all adventurous faith, isn't it? And that's what we see here. So we should never limit God by our past experiences. If that's not been your experience, if you've not trusted God with money and giving and generosity, if you've not trusted God by saying, I'm going to pray for a friend who doesn't know Jesus and see if God's love will just touch them and let their heart come alive, if you've not prayed for somebody on the street or in Starbucks to get healed, if that's not part of your story, don't let your past experience dictate your adventurous faith. God has got more. And that's what we see in this story here. Don't, don't, next thing we see, don't limit God by your circumstances. I love the honesty of Abraham here. It says in the Bible, in the New Testament, that Abraham considered his body as good as dead. That's pretty descriptive. He's saying, it ain't happening. <laughs> I don't want to be too crude here, but if there was like an urban translation of the Bible, it would probably go something like this. His target is a family, but in reality, he's firing blanks. Okay? Okay. Okay. It is not happening. Okay? His body was as good as dead. So basically, he's saying, my circumstances is not going to deliver what God wants to do in this moment. Okay? Did you get that? But he doesn't, he doesn't waver. You know, we face moments when we realize... In myself and in the circumstances you've got, we cannot fix this. 
You face that in family life sometimes. You face it in a relationship or needing provision or guidance. Do you know what? In and of myself, I do not have the resources I can rustle up to deliver here. It has to be that God's got to do something or nothing's going to happen. And that's what this story shows us. He recognized that his body was as good as dead. I cannot make this thing happen. It has to be a God thing. Do you know, friends, we all face moments like that. Maybe when you're dealing with an addiction or an issue in your life right now and you think, I cannot get free. I can't deal with the anger or the unforgiveness or the pain. Or what happened, it's so life-limiting, the stuff that happened to me, I can't walk free. And you can't fix it in yourself, and you can't. Sometimes you just need to say, do you know what, Jesus, you've got to do something in my life, because if you don't fix it, I can't. I need you to bring some freedom here or some change. So Abraham was 99 years old, and he didn't let his circumstances switch him off. He said, you know what? We often use disqualifiers, those things that say, I'm not involved. I'm, I'm, it's easier for me to write myself out of God's story than write myself into it. We can easily have that happen. You know, in the Bible, Jeremiah was a young guy, and he said, I'm too young to get involved. I've heard people say that. I'm too old to get involved. I'm not confident with speech. That's what Moses said. He said, I can't talk very well. You know, I haven't got the right resources. You know, Timothy in the Bible and the New Testament was too timid. All sorts of disqualifying statements we put over our lives or reason to opt out. When Jesus says, I want you to opt in. I want you to be involved in this adventurous faith. I want you to have a life that trusts me. Anybody, uh, there's a bit in Psalm 27 verse 13 says, I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David says that. And sometimes we face things and we say, I can't see a way out. I can't quite see how it's going to happen. But in this moment where I'm trying to work out, do I go to college? What do I do with my future? What sort of job have you got for me? In this moment, I'm going to trust you. Has anybody seen that game where you stand around and somebody falls backwards and they catch them, the trust game? Anybody? And the young people played that one? It's a good one to do. You stand there, your friends stand behind, you catch you. Just have a little glance at this one. This is the trust game in action. Put the volume up. Okay, then Lauren's going to catch you. Okay, it's called the trust fall. Okay, trust fall. Ready, set, go. That was, an, that was an epic fail by Lauren and her dad. A distinct lack of communication. That is going to be a family with some issues, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know, one of the things we're told is we're not, we're not to limit God by our past failures. The next We're not to limit God by our past failures. We can just think, you know, I've done stuff and I've messed up. And actually, I've not been there <laughs> when I should have been there. I've blown it. We can all think that way, that actually what I've done and the choices I've made, they just dis- disqualify me. I love this story that Abraham was given a promise. He took things in his own hands and did things his own way. That was not God's best. Step with Hagar, had Ishmael. And even when he'd done that, God comes to him and says, listen, I'm not going to let that mistake in the past and that choice disqualify you. I've still got a promise for you. In fact, I'm upgrading the promise because I've got grace. I've got love towards you. Even when you feel like you've messed up, friends, God comes to us and gives us a new start. I love that. That's this wonderful thing about the good news in Jesus, that we get a new start. And actually, Abraham was then upgraded to be called Abraham, the father of many nations. Sarah, in her heart, thought, do you know what? I can believe God wants to do something good in Abraham, but I think I'm the barrier. I'm the blockage. I can believe God to do something good in somebody else's life, but I can't dare to believe that God wants to do something good in my life. 
I said, you know what, Abraham, why don't you go and sleep with Hagar and have a kid? But I, I can believe that he wants to use you and do something good for you, but I can't believe he's going to do something good for me. Do you find yourself in that place? You can believe God for someone else, but not for yourself. Well, don't limit God by your past failures, because what God does is he comes to him, and actually, Abraham says, oh, do you know what? I get it that you've given this new promise to me that me and Sarah are actually going to have a kid. I don't know how it's going to work, but it's going to happen. You're going to bless us with a family. But there's Ishmael. I've got this other lad. Would you be kind enough to still bless him? And look what God says. God says this in the Bible. I've heard your prayers, and I will surely bless Ishmael. Wow, isn't that generous of God? Even when we mess up, we make mistakes. We do stuff that we just regret. We take things into our own hands, do things our way. When we're sorry, we say, God, I'm sorry. Would you, would you still kind of redeem that stuff that's damaged other people around me and hurt other people and not gone your best choice? Will you, will you still bless those moments and those situations? God says, yeah. I'm still going to take that pain of the past and repurpose it for my glory. That's what he does. And the last thing we see in this story is don't limit God by your passivity. I love the way this is described. A really simple thing, the act of faith, the life of faith, this adventurous faith is spoken about as walking. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and says, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Isn't that a simple illustration? God could have said, run and be bold. He could have said, you know, do a triple jump or, you know, high jump. He said, no, no. He said, just walk before me, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Keep it simple. Just keep stepping in the right direction. It says in the Bible that Noah walked with God. It says that Enoch walked with God and was, with no, was no more. Micah 6, 8, one of the verses that you've got over your uh, restore stuff, is uh, he's shown you what is good and what God requires of you, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Isn't that interesting? The life of faith is to walk, left foot, right foot, simple steps. It says in Amos, how can two walk together except they be in agreement? So this life of faith is to say, are my choices, are, there, are my direction of travel in step with God's best for me? Am I taking simple steps every day? to do the stuff that God wants me to do? Am I going in God's direction? When I've got a choice about how to deal with that pain, am I going God's way or my way? Are my steps just going step by step, day by day, simple choices? Maybe the step for you is to say, I'm going to come back next Sunday. Haven't been before, but I'm going to come back. Or I'm going to get connected to one of the connect groups and join and sign up. Or maybe I'm going to go and check out Alpha. What's the next step? Simple steps. I love what Bear Grylls said. The first step is always the hardest, and that takes the most courage. Maybe today you've got questions. Sure, you've got questions, but the thing that you're going to do today is take a first step. I've got questions about faith and God, and, and can I really trust God, and what, what about prayer? But maybe today there's a chance to say, I'm going to take that first step, to say, God, I've got questions, but I want to take a step towards you. I want to take a step towards the life that you've called me to live. I want to live an adventurous faith. So we see here that we shouldn't limit God by our impatience. We shouldn't limit God by our past experiences, by our circumstances, by our past failures, or our, bas- or our passivity. We're called to live this life of adventurous faith. Just in a moment, I'm going to pray as we draw this thing to a close and um, just see what God wants to do in this moment for us as, as, uh, as church together. We love your story. We love what God is doing. It's wonderful to see how this church is thriving uh, we're not allowed to have favourites, but if we did, you'd be our favourite. Because <laughs> we just love you guys, and we just love Stephen Tammy and their leadership in the, in the Midlands here. They've been just an incredible support for us in our role. And uh, we hold them in. Good emotional muscles, I don't know. We hold them in the highest regard. You've got great leaders, guys.
you really have. You're fantastic leaders, and we just you bless people to have great. <laughs> get a get a grip, man. Get a grip. Come on. What is come over me? What do you put in the What do you put in the coffee in this place? Good grief. Um, do you know it's the funny thing is when they tell this story. Um, I just wonder how many times God wants to reproduce that story through you guys. Do you know what I mean? I wonder, I wonder if actually there's some people here, you're in your 20s and you're thinking, I wonder what God's got in store for me. Maybe you're thinking, maybe you're in your 30s or your 40s, maybe you're older and you're thinking, I'm past it. There is no story ahead. There's always a story when we say yes to God. There is always a story. There's always an adventure when we say yes to God. And that's, that's the thing for every one of us. There could be a story of people leaving, friends and comfort of relationship and going to a new community five, ten miles away. And starting this whole adventure again. Maybe that's what some of you are called to do. Maybe you're called to do other things. Maybe you're called to grow a business in this city that provides jobs and employment. Maybe you're called to start a new area of ministry that touches lives like we heard Sarah's story earlier. I can tell you what you're not designed for. You're not designed to sit on a chair and be bored. Just let me put that over you. <laughs> that is not an adventurous faith. <laughs> You're not designed to be sitting there disengaged, checking out your phone every five minutes. No, that's not what the adventurous faith is about. There's more in store because God's good and he loves you to bits. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pull it together and quit being emotional. No. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for Central Vineyard. What a birthday. What a celebration. We love what you're doing in this place. And we pray your blessing on Central Vineyard. Father, we just speak your favour and your growth as this church is faced outwards, literally, to the city to serve it and to be a blessing. Father, I pray that you would give them favour and all they need to do all you've called them to do. We pray that many hundreds of people will be touched through the yes that this church gives you. As this church says yes to Jesus and yes to the adventure ahead, may hundreds of lives be touched. And we pray, Lord, that as downstairs is kitted out, that it would be uh, full to overflowing soon with many people exploring what it means to follow you. And Father, right now, thank you for every single person in this space, whether someone's just rocked up for the first time or is a regular here and has been around for years. God, you love every single person in this room and you're excited about their lives. Holy Spirit, will you come right now? Will you do stuff in this moment that we can't do? Just want to put a few things out there as we're, as we're quiet in God's presence. I felt like some people here and you feel like you, your past experiences of God, they've boxed, you've boxed God in and you can believe for somebody else that God will bless somebody else and answer their prayer but you're not able to believe for yourself. And you're doing what Sarah did. You're functioning under a lie. And God wants to just say to you today, do you know what? I want you to believe for yourself. Actually, I'm good to you as well, not just your neighbor. I want to do stuff with your life. There are others here and you feel like your past failures, the stuff that you've done when you've just taken the direction of your life in your own hands, you've made mistakes, you've messed up, you've hurt those around you, you've hurt yourself. And you feel like you're disengaged, but God wants to give you a new start today. He says, do you know what? Uh, the adventure's back on. I'm for you. Whatever you've done, even those moments where you feel like you've messed up, I can, I can repurpose that pain and use it to make a difference.
For some, today is the chance to take a first step. A first step on adventure of faith is saying yes to him and trusting him. I felt there was a couple of people in the room as well, and you've just, you're kind of in the room, but you're not really here in your heart because you feel like you've had some hang ups about stuff in the past, and you don't easily trust people, especially not leaders, because leaders have ripped you off and done things that have just left you feeling really disengaged. And you might be physically present, but you're not really present in terms of buying in because you just, you just have got some stuff that's raw in your system. Um, and uh, God wants to just help you have a new story, a new adventure. I had a couple of things that I felt like the Lord said for you guys. That uh, There are some people here and you're waiting for something that God said. You feel like a little bit like Abraham and Sarah. You might not have been waiting for 20 years, but you're certainly waiting. And um, God's made, given you a promise of something that he's going to do with you or with your family, or with your children, in your life. And it hasn't happened yet. Um, yeah. And also that uh, when Andrew talked about disqualifying names, something just popped into your head. You've been functioning with a name that's been said of you. Maybe it's a, a name that a parent, maybe it's a word that a parent spoke over you. You'll never amount to anything or you're a failure, or you've spoken those things over yourself. And when Andrew said that, when he said disqualifying names, something immediately popped into your head, something that you say over yourself. And I felt like the Lord just wants to break that off you today so that you'd be functioning with the name that he has given to you, which is a name that will bring you life and will bring you hope and will bring you purpose and will bring you future. Um, Yeah. So, Father, we thank you that you're here by your spirit and you're here to do stuff in our lives. Just in a minute, we're going to have a chance to respond. Why don't we just stand to our feet for a moment? Just what I'm going to do in a moment is I'm going to have you, rather than come to the front, but just do something active. If you want someone to pray with you, or if you recognize that God's getting your attention some way today, then in a, in a moment I'm going to invite you to just shove your hand up clearly in the air. It's a signal to God to say, God, you're getting my attention. But it's a signal to your friends around you and the people here that are part of the team. They can just pray and bless what God is doing. Do you know, sometimes that's the first active thing that we can do to recognize. I, I, don't, I haven't got all the answers, but I somehow know that in what's been said this morning, God, you're trying to get through to me. You're trying to tap me on the shoulder and get my attention about something. It could be about letting God into a space that's pretty raw right now in your life. And you know that it's a bit bit like powerless to change but you but you know that something's got to change it could be something that's happening in family life or relationship or it could be a, a life controlling habit or it could be just some pain that's there it could be it could be a whole bunch of things it could be this first step you want to take yeah. and just one other thing if you're part of this church or you're here and you're thinking about being part of this church you need to know something this is an adventurous church It's led by adventurous leaders. And if you stick around here for very long, you'll get swept up and caught up into uh, an adventure that is going to be exciting. And as we were worshipping, actually, first thing, I felt like the Lord said that literally you're on the brink. Like when, when kids are 11, it's normally when they go off to secondary school and they step into something much bigger 
they step out of a small environment and they step into a large environment. And I just felt it was a significant thing that you've got this building in your 11th year. It's almost like you're transitioning out of primary school and now you're entering secondary school. You're going into a much larger place. And even like the Lord's been really gracious to you to let you meet in this room this upstairs room for a little while so that you can get used to being here and being comfortable, but you're going downstairs into a huge big space and that's because God's got people to add to your number. And you need to be adventurous. You need to go out on the streets and find those people and bring them in. You need to be inviting your friends. The word is going to go out across this city that this is a church that's here to stay, that this is a church that's here to affect Northampton. And I just feel like God is saying, Literally, guys, you're on the brink. Get ready. This is an adventure. Like, hang on to your seats, but don't hang on too tight because God's going to move them. And He's moving them downstairs in the natural, but He's going to be moving you as a people into a much bigger place. So, yeah, it's going to be an adventure. This is an adventure. And so, I just feel like God wants to um, just pour out His Spirit on you because you're going to need it. You're going to need Him and His courage and the faith that He's going to give you because. Um, it's going to be a hairy ride. <laughs> it's going to be a hairy ride. So, Spirit of God, would you come now? Would you fill this wonderful church yes, again? Mm. We pray for more. Mm. Father, thank you for all the things that you've spoken this morning, mm. all those words that have been given, and we pray, God, that you'll come and you'll meet your people. Mm. Thank you. Come and minister to your people. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, would they lay their lives before you again as they transition into this new, exciting phase of the journey? Yes, Lord. Will you bless them on their birthday and send them out? Yes, Lord. Yeah, maybe in your heart, just God, give your Jesus. best yes to God. Just say, Jesus, I want to say yes to all that you've got for me, my part to play, and the story of our church, because we are the church. It's not the space, it's not the building, it's us. It's us saying yes to you, that's yeah. the church. Yeah, That's it's, central yeah. vineyard at its best. It's not a time to be timid. Yeah. It's a time to go out. Mm.